Now, without further ado, let's get started. My opening take starts with last night's Monday night football game between the Seattle Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles. As correctly predicted, the Seahawks won this game. They won it 23-17. Russell Wilson passed for 230 yards and one touchdown. One of the things I also predicted that DK Metcalf would have a monster game. He had 177 yards receiving. And I mean, he was torching the Eagles' best cover corner, Darius Slay. And after the game, during the press conference, they asked Darius Slay if he thought the, def the defensive coordinator should have gotten him some help. Of course, he got angry and avoided the question. He was pretty sensitive about it. But I guess I would be too if I was getting torched all night by one guy. And DK Metcalf was also motivated by a comment made to him in the pregame by former Lions head coach and current defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz saying that he coached Megatron and he's not there yet, but he's on his way. Talk about giving a man motivation. Of course, there's been a lot of comparisons to Megatron, Calvin Johnson, and DK Metcalf. The only difference is, unlike Megatron, whose career was wasted in Detroit, that's not going to happen with DK Metcalf, especially as long as he's in Seattle and Russell Wilson is still the quarterback. The Seahawks defense, they played Good, decent, not great. I mean, they had six sacks on Carson Wentz, the most sacked quarterback in the NFL, and they had an interception. Their defense is slowly coming along. I mean, getting Carlos Dunlap kind of help, and of course, getting Jamal Adams back has helped that defense. But who know? Who knows if they could? We still. It's still yet to be determined if they can be trusted long-term. As for the Eagles, I mean, what can you say? I mean, Carson Wentz is just one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I mean, he has 15 interceptions. He's been sacked 46 times. He's had 95 off-target incompletions. I mean, all these are the worst in the NFL. I mean, he did have 215 yards and two touchdowns and a pick. Now, I'm not saying this is all his fault, because it's not. I mean, you got to go with play calling. I mean, Doug Peterson needs to be held accountable for, for, the, for the woes as well. Added the fact that the offensive line isn't protecting very well. I mean... Carson Wentz obviously can't trust his protection. I mean, because he has a tendency to take off, which I don't blame him. Then, of course, they got nothing from the running game last night. I mean, he was a leading rusher in the game. I mean, Miles Sanders, who's supposed to be their best running back, only rushed for 15 yards. I mean, he barely got the ball. So that definitely goes to coaching. So all I'm going to say is it's time for Carson Wentz to be benched. I mean, it's time to put Jalen Hurts in and see what he can do. So 
But I'm one, but I'm starting to wonder, and I'm sure even a lot of Eagle fans have to be wondering, why is Carson Wentz still out there? So I reached out to my boy, Chris Peel from It's a Game Podcast. You know, check him out sometime. Huge Eagle fan. And he basically said, it is Carson Wentz's contract. It's the reason why he hasn't been benched. So I decided to do a little digging, a little more. And here's what I found out. Of course, he did sign a four-year extension worth $128 million. And it doesn't even kick in until next season. So even if they wanted to cut him, it'd be very costly. I mean, it would cost him over $60 million in dead cap money. So they have to wait almost until like 2022 before they can drop him. Which will save them $7 million. So... They're stuck with him. Even if they want to get rid of um Doug Peterson, which I don't think is going to happen, but even if they did, the next coach will still have to deal with Carson Wentz. Now I'm going to go on and give you my final takes from Week 12 in the NFL. My first final take is the NFL making an example out of the Broncos. Now, of course, everybody know this past Sunday, the Broncos had to play with a practice squad quarterback who hasn't played quarterback since college. All because three quarter, the three quarterbacks on the roster, Drew Locke, the starting quarterback, Brent Rippon, Blake Bortles, was on the, uh, on the COVID-19 list because of contact with their other quarterback, Jeff Driscoll, who tested positive for COVID-19. I mean, teams got to be, got to be, need to be mindful. The NFL is going to do any and everything possible to get a 16-game season. I mean, why do you think they're finding teams heavy and taking away draft picks if they violate protocols and rules put in place to try to stop the spread of COVID-19. Now, of course you can argue they should just go ahead and postpone it, the season, like the NBA did. Or they could stop the season in general. But we all know the NFL doesn't like losing money in a, in a, in a postpone or even stop season would cost the owners in the league a lot of money. So the NFL decided, hey, your, your quarterback should have followed the rules. Y'all got to play anyway. And they lost 31-3 to the Saints. Now it gives me to my second final take. Is the NFL showing favoritism toward the Baltimore Ravens? Gotta make you wonder. I think so. They've postponed this game three times with the Steelers. First, it was going to happen on Thursday night on Thanksgiving. 
Then, then because of the, the positive tests of running backs Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobkins, and even Lamar Jackson, it pushed the game back to Monday. Then more positive tests started coming out of the Baltimore organization. And now the game's going to be on Wednesday at 340. Now, the question, and the reason I'm saying the NFL is showing favoritism here, because as I stated in my last final take with the Broncos, they they decide to wait until the Ravens get all their players back before they decide to play a game. But even then, Lamar Jackson is not scheduled to even be off the COVID list in time. But they will have Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobkins. So RG3, Robert Griffith III, is going to be starting at quarterback. So why didn't the NFL allow the Ravens and the Steelers game to go forward? Now I get it. It's a big-time rivalry game, and you want to have all the stars there. But still, fair is fair. I mean, they could have easily pushed back the Broncos versus the Saints game to week 18. They could have put it on a Wednesday or even on Thursday of this week. Now, my third final take is problems in Houston. Houston, we have a problem. Two of their players, Will Fuller and Bradley Roby, has was suspended for the final six games of the finals games of the season. It's actually six games, but five this year, and of course the opening game of 2021 due to performance enhancing substance. Now, I try to be. We have to try to be fair here. I mean. These, I mean, I understand the NFL has a banned list. And sometimes, I mean, through no fault of their own, these players take stuff that they don't even know has the substance that's on the banned list. I mean, sometimes they have doctors that poorly subscribe these um, medications or these um, performance-enhancing drugs or whatever. And then I'm getting tested, and it turns out to be positive for whatever is on the banned substance list. You kind of feel bad for these guys, because I'm sure these guys had no intention of cheating. I mean, Will Fuller was having a, uh, a good season, especially in the last few games. He became Deshaun Watson's number one target. And Bradley Roby was playing pretty good in the secondary for the Houston Texans. So these are going to be big losses for the Texans. So I guess all I can say is these guys just have to be mindful and just make sure they're um, reading the labels and make sure that what they're being subscribed doesn't have anything on these banned substance lists. Because we all know the food and drug administration has no regulations 
of what is put in these substances and protein powders. And my final take. It's time to start holding Tom Brady accountable for the Bucks' woes. The Bucks have lost three of the last four games. And in those three of the last four games, Tom Brady has thrown a, a total of seven interceptions. Now, it seems like a lot of commentators, a lot of shock jocks, seem to be trying to shift blame from Tom Brady and put all the blame on Bruce Arians. Now, look, yeah, Bruce Arians does share some responsibility for the Bucks' woes. I mean, he is calling the plays. He's the head coach. The buck stops with him. But we also need to look and see that Tom Brady is struggling. I mean, just because he's struggling right now, that doesn't mean that we still can't call him the GOAT. I mean, all GOATs, after being in a, in, in, in a sport so long, Skills are going to start to fade and diminish. I mean, we have to understand, Father Time is undefeated. But if you look at these games that they've been struggling with, and Tom Brady's throwing the interceptions, what teams are doing is they're trying to get pressure on him because they know Tom Brady gets happy feet. And when he does that, you can get him to make mistakes. But it's not all his fault. I mean, like I say, the running game needs to be more consistent. The offensive line needs to be more consistent. And of course, the defense has now been exposed and now turned out that they were overrated. So there's problems all over. But still, that doesn't mean Tom Brady should be shielded from any criticism. And he is 43 years old. And sooner or later, he was gonna look or he was gonna start to look ordinary. And there are times this season that he has looked very ordinary. I mean, if Tampa Bay does not win the Super Bowl this year, which I don't believe they will, it's going to be a failure for Tampa Bay. And guess what? Tom Brady was on the team when it happened. And there'll be no way of shielding him from criticism. Now, this will conclude this short episode of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening and downloading. I appreciate it. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at ggsports13. I'd like to thank you again for listening and downloading.
Hope you have a wonderful afternoon and evening, and we'll talk again on Friday. Bye-bye. Now, without further ado, let's get started. Moby and Tate starts with last night's Monday night football game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Seattle Seahawks. As correctly predicted, the Seahawks won this game, and they won it 23-17. Russell Wilson had a decent game, 230 yards passing, one touchdown. But one of the things I did predict was DK Metcalf would have a monster game, and he did so. He had 177 yards receiving. I mean, he basically was torching the Philadelphia Eagles' best cover corner, Darius Slate, all night long. And after the game, Darius Slate was asked in the post-game press conference if he should have gotten some help from Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator on DK Metcalf. Of course, he got angry, avoided the question. He was pretty sensitive about it. I guess I couldn't blame him because I'd be upset too if I was getting torched all night. But DK Metcalf was also motivated by a comment in pregame that was made to him by defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz, who's also the former Detroit Lions head coach, that he coached Megatron, and he's not Megatron, but he's on his way. Talk about giving a guy some motivation. But unlike Megatron, whose career was wasted in Detroit, despite putting up big numbers, that's not going to happen with DK Metcalf, not as long as he's in Seattle and Russell Wilson is his quarterback. Now, the Seahawks defense played good, not great. I mean, they recorded six sacks on Carson Wentz, the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. And got one interception. As for the Eagles, I mean, I don't know what really to say, but Carson Wentz is one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, he had 215 yards, two TDs, and a pick. But look at his numbers throughout the season. 15 interceptions, most in the NFL. Was sacked 46 times, most in the NFL. And 95 off-target incompletions, most in the NFL. I mean, these are terrible numbers. My question is, why has he not been benched yet? It's time to give Jalen Hurts a chance to see if he can provide a spark for this Eagles team. When I reached out to my boy, Chris Peel of It's Just a Game podcast, please check that out sometime, big Eagles fan, and I asked him, why is Carson Wentz haven't been benched yet? Because he mentioned to me, it's Carson Wentz's contract. That's the reason why he's still playing. Now, looking at his contract, I mean, he signed a four-year extension worth $128 million, and it doesn't even kick in till next season. So, if they were even if they wanted to cut Carson Wentz this season, 
it'd be very costly. It would cost $59.2 million in dead cap money. So they would have to wait almost until 2022 when the cap hit drops to $24.5 million, which of course would save the Eagles $7 million in 2022, which will which be $31.2 million. So, even if they wanted to get rid of Doug Peterson, the next coach would be stuck with Carson Wentz. But of course, as, Car- as for Carson Wentz, it's not all his fault. I mean, Doug Peterson is the head coach, so the buck stops with the head coach. So, he needs to do a better job and call in plays for Carson Wentz and their offense. I mean, he's supposed to be an offensive mind, right? Coming from the Andy Reid tree. And of course, offensive line, which has been banged up, so to be a little bit fair, but I mean, they've done a terrible job protecting him. So he's basically running for his life. But another thing that was startling to me was the lack of a running game. I mean, Carson Wentz was leading Russia with 22 yards ru- rushing. I mean, you got Miles Sanders back, and he only gets six attempts for 15 yards? I mean, one of the things that would help Carson Wentz out would be a running game, because that is a quarterback's best friend. The guy wouldn't be taking as much of a beating back there in the backfield if he had a running game. I mean, right now, as it looks, I don't see Eagles going to the playoffs, much less sniffing the NFC least, I mean, East title. Now I'm going to go into my final takes from week 12 in the NFL. My first final take is the NFL making an example of the Broncos as we know the Broncos had to play with practice squad quarterback Kendall Hilton actually he's a running back now but he hasn't played quarterback since college of course he was one of nine 13 yards two picks this happened because the main quarterbacks on the roster Drew Locke Brent Rippon and Blake Bortles had to be put on the COVID-19 list because they were in contact with Jeff Driscoll, the other quarterback on the roster who tested positive for COVID-19. But the NFL refused to move their game. They basically told them, it doesn't matter if you don't have a quarterback or not, you're playing. That's the NFL's way of sending a message to the other 31 teams. If you break our protocols, you're going to be punished. But that goes into my second final take. The NFL showed favoritism toward the Baltimore Ravens. So why didn't the Baltimore Ravens get punished? The way the Broncos got punished. I mean, they had two running backs 
J.K. Dopkins and Mark Ingram tested positive for COVID-19 last week before the Pittsburgh Steelers-Baltimore game on Thanksgiving night. Then Lamar Jackson even got a COVID-19 positive test. So why didn't the Ravens get punished by having to play Thanksgiving night? It's simple. I mean, Baltimore and the Rave, Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers is one of the best rivalries in the NFL. They want to have all the stars there for ratings. In other words, because the Broncos don't have any big stars on their team, they don't matter. But Baltimore has one of the most one of the most exciting players in the game in Lamar Jackson. So we're going to do everything we can to make sure he gets right before this game. And this game has been moved 3 times. First it was moved from Thursday to Monday. And now it's been moved again till this Wednesday at 3:40. So, it's clearly obvious that the NFL was playing favorites. Now, my third and my third final take is Houston, we have a problem. Two guys that have been coming along, Will Fuller and cornerback Bradley Roby, has been suspended for six games for violating the performance enhancement substance policies that means five games which is we all that's what we have left in the nfl this season and opening game 2021 now of course i'm not going to kill these guys because i'm sure these guys had no intention of cheating i know that's the thing that we sometimes associate athletes with when they get a positive test for performance enhancing drugs, steroids, or anything like that. But sometimes these guys get prescribed medicine that has some of the substances that are banned by the NFL and not even know it. Sometimes they take protein powder, but they don't know if it has any of the banned substances in it. Because we also got to remember, the supplement industry is not regulated by the FDA. So, all I can say for these guys is, I'm sorry this happened to them. And I'm sure they're sorry too, which they've already posted on their Instagrams. And I'm sure they'll be back next season. And my fourth final take is it's time to stop protecting Tom Brady yeah when you listen to some of these commentators these shock jocks on TV it seem like they're trying to shield Brady from any blame for the Bucks woes and put all of it on Bruce Arians now I'm not to say not saying that Bruce Arians 
doesn't deserve some blame because he does. Just like I said with Doug Peterson, the buck stops with the head coach. He does need to coach better. He needs to put the players in positions to succeed, and that includes Tom Brady. But the Bucs have lost three out of the last four games. Tom Brady has thrown seven interceptions in that span. Look, we all know Tom Brady's the GOAT. But that doesn't mean he should be shielded from criticism. Because right now, it appears that his skills are somewhat diminishing. I'm not saying he's washed up or he still doesn't have it. But the, the signs are, are showing itself. I mean, Tom Brady's missing throws. Something he never used to do. I mean, he gets happy feet. I mean, he's susceptible to interceptions. So, it's not all Tom Brady's fault. I mean, the running te- the running game needs to get a little bit better. The offensive line needs to protect better. And the defense has just been exposed. So now they need to get better. So it's not all his fault, but he does shoulder the blame. And we all know he should get the majority of the blame if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers don't win the Super Bowl this year. Because he went there, he had all the pieces in place for him to succeed. He, he was able to get Grunk out of retirement. And he was able to get Antonio Brown back in the league. So you get all that, and you still don't win the Super Bowl. So that means he is, he should get 90% of the blame. Now my final take is an unlikely candidate for coach of the year. Now, of course, the leading guy has got to be Mike Tomlin. I mean, what the Steelers have done is just pretty remarkable. And, of course, I'm going to be a bias here, 49er fan. Kyle Shanahan, if the 49ers are able to get into the playoffs and go far. I think he should be on that list with all the injuries that my Niners have suffered throughout the season. But one guy that is probably unlikely that I think should get at least some consideration. Of course, that's only if they win the NFC East. Should be Joe Judge. Of the New York Giants. I mean, look what he's had to deal with. I mean, he lost Saquon Barkley. I mean, he had to deal with Daniel Jones and all the and all the interceptions and the turnovers he's had. Which, of course, now it seems like he's been playing well until he got injured this past Sunday. And the Giants are in a two-way tie with the Redskins to see who can, who's going to win this awful division. 
I would also add Ron Rivera as well for Coach of the Year. I mean, look what he's had to go through. He's dealing with cancer. I mean, Alex Smith has come back. And now the Redskins are are competing. So I would say, I would give Joe Judge and Ron Rivera some Coach of the Year consideration if one of these two guys win their division and even win a playoff game. Now, this will conclude this short episode of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening and downloading. I appreciate it. You can follow me on at Twitter at GGSports13. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all the podcast platforms. I'd like to thank you again for listening and downloading. Have a good evening, and I will talk to you again on Friday. Bye-bye.